Welcome, this is the Teaching Excellence Podcast for all things FE, teaching, learning, assessment, quality and possibly a few other things along the way. Hosted by Steph Wilkinson and Jade Gibson, leaders in FE who want to support others and make a difference and hopefully spread a little happiness whilst we're at it. Hi Joanne, welcome to the Teaching Excellence Podcast. Thanks, Steph. Nice to be oh, here. How are you? Not too bad. At home, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. um, this is the first one I've done um, video, so I'm really super excited. A little bit nervous as well, but um, it will go out on audio too. So yeah, we're going to have both formats and yeah, I'm excited to have you. So thanks for joining me. Pleasure. So we, um, we had a chat, didn't we, the other week, um, and we were talking, well, you've done some um, events online, and I was there at one of them, but we had a chat a little bit about professional development and all things that are happening across the country, I suppose, all the things that are not happening across the country, um, and we thought it'd be useful to record something, have a chat about professional development and supporting staff at this time so um but i suppose first probably best if you do your intro and tell people what what you do and what you're about great so i was a teacher and a trainer and a coach in the fe sector for the first 20 years of my career then spent a little bit of time for the learning and skills network doing national projects around tla improvement but for the last 10 years i've had my own business freelance and I support FE colleges, sixth form, land-based, general FE, in trying to improve teaching and learning. Some of my big areas of focus really have been around embedding coaching approaches and cultures, mm. looking at developmental lesson observation and how we do that really well, and how we do action research, how we innovate in the classroom and share that practice. So my work can involve training, coaching, consultancy, all of those things, but basically in many different settings, hence the recent Zoom calls to share practice all over the sector that you've just spoken about. Yeah, um, I think some of the work you do is great and um, I've known you for quite a few years now actually um, and yeah always um, looking at how we embed, you know, my, as you know my interests have always been about coaching and development and how we support teachers to be the best teacher they can be um, but that's not easy is it, it's not, um, it's not easy and um, there's lots of things though that we can do and I think where we've gone into this time of, of remote learning and online learning, there's now a new question about A, how that happens. And we've said we're probably going to record a whole other episode about, um, about that. But um, it's how we support staff to be able to do something very different. Um, so, yeah, what have, you been, what have you been seeing? What have you been hearing? So from lots of the advanced practitioners and coaches that I've been talking to in these sharing calls, it's interesting that there's two main strands of work, really. There's something happening in terms of individual support for teachers. Yeah. And coaches have said to me, it's about to 
teachers having a space where they can feel safe to really offload their experience recently because of the rapid level of change that we've had in the crisis and the sudden adaptation to a completely new way of working people have been shocked they've been quite challenged by that some people have been quite traumatized by it lots of people have felt very vulnerable very unsure very uncertain about how to take that forward so coaches have said to me they spent a lot of time in phone calls one-to-one using email conversation having one-to-one coaching sessions through microsoft teams or zoom to actually talk people through what they're thinking and experiencing at this time Mm -hmm. so the first set of skills i think are in there are the empathy the listening the asking skills so that you can respond as the coach in the ap to the particular situation that each teacher is in because what's interesting is the spread and the spectrum there are definitely teachers who have found this quite a creative exciting opportunity they found they like working from home they've already got great digital skills their learners might have responded quite well so they're actually flying with innovation and opportunity For other people, this has been an absolute nightmare of logistics, of just trying to get any communication going with their learners, with using new platforms maybe that they're not used to delivering learning on. So there's been a massive feeling of of kind of conscious incompetence for people, which is really challenging and difficult. So I think that one-to-one conversation with all those skills embedded and that flexibility to respond to different needs has been really important. Is has that come through in your work with the coaches that you're you're in contact with? Yeah, um, it's been really it's been really interesting, and and we we have as a team had to really think about how we support people, and but with with real individualization in mind. Totally, everyone has needed something different. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would say you know there's been a phenomenal amount of one to one support that. Um, coaches that I've been talking to have been doing and ultimately I think that's where some of the real um the real beneficial support has been and the real impactful support because you can really listen to what people need and there is that there has been a lot of um people needing that safe space like you say to be able to talk about what they're struggling with you know that's a scary place for people to be to say i can't do this or i'm not very confident with this or i don't know how to do absolutely. this absolutely absolutely we we've definitely led with that and we always have done and, and you kind of mm-hmm. have, and you know what i'm about really mm-hmm. it's that always creating safe spaces yeah for people to be able to say okay can you help me can you yeah. what options are there um, so there's been, I remember the first two weeks of lockdown, it felt very much like a call centre. Yeah. Me and my team, which we were just from, from eight o'clock in the morning till, you know, six o'clock at night, just call after call after call, people just asking for help, support. And, and I was really, that was where I realised we'd, over the two years, uh, you know, we'd, we'd broken down the barriers to people not be resisting support or help that is so great though people like completely flipped it to a place where people were just calling and calling and calling to to ask for that help and i think that's you know when you talk about or when i talk about culture shift that's one of the things that you want to see that is exactly what you want to see and it creates a whole different dynamic around professional development doesn't it it's totally true. So many of the coaches have said to me, people have been reaching out with need 
on a spectrum from need to desperation yeah. almost yeah. Um, and that's been fantastic and they've been able to have the people they've already got the relationships with have reached out a lot so people some coaches have been really busy but interestingly what I've heard is, is from some settings some people have found it actually very difficult to access staff because staff have kind of hunkered down and gone back into their own hole at home and are, and are just grappling and have started to be quite isolated and difficult to contact so there's been a, I think a, a again it's a spectrum there's a, a range of response happening in the country so coaches are experiencing sometimes frustration of wanting to support and trying to work out ways to reach out to people and try and engage more actively and be heard in amongst all the other operational messages that are happening yeah and it's interesting actually you mentioned that because that is definitely something that we um in that in that initial um period realized that there would be people who wouldn't know you we will always have that one we will totally. always have teachers and people generally who don't ask for help or don't reach out and they're just trying to figure it out and maybe they're asking one other person uh-huh. who is maybe their closest colleague mm-hmm. you know um but ultimately there, are, there will be people who are trying to figure it out and, and probably in the in the beginning felt overwhelmed or will still feel quite overwhelmed as they go into september absolutely um but I, yeah, one of the things I definitely campaigned, it was a campaign, was to all managers um, and, and the coaching team is find the people who are not asking for help. Completely. And, and totally find right. different ways to get to those people and make them feel like there's a safe space to say, yeah, I'm okay with this, but I'm not okay with that. Um, totally. And I think that that has to be conscious. It's, it's never going to be ever that you drive a quality assurance agenda and that you create those spaces or create an environment where people will ask for help. Uh-huh. Um, that, that isn't ever going to work. And I, I've been having some conversations with um, the quality managers that I've, um, I do quality managers network on a Tuesdays at the minute. Um, there's still work to do on, on flipping what quality can be. Yes. Um, and how it can be really effective to support development and improvement rather than just measuring things. I think so. And it's that it's that focus on the QI quality improvement part of the activity and not limiting what you're looking at and interested in and paying attention to to the QA, which is the auditing, measuring capturing evidence to me one of the big problems in the sector has been for about the last five years this excessive focus on the measuring to the detriment of the actions that follow afterwards for improvement i think if we're much more interested in how do we develop and improve and we put creativity and attention and effort there we will drive change the problem is we've spent a lot of time and effort on creating very complex rather monstrous mechanisms for just the measuring and then it's so what for me it's so what you've measured yeah. it and so what yeah it's I think can people the, change from there yeah one of the things that i have i'd say is a is something that me and in my in my work has really focused on and the team is what do we do to improve and then how do we embed things that we can capture as as indicators absolutely you know, rather than the other way around which is which is kind of still traditionally the approach to quality, isn't it? That's so, right. Um, that's probably a whole other 
that's another conversation about evaluating impact (laughs) as opposed to measuring something Um, yeah yeah what else has been going on out there but there's been lots of one-to-one support i i've seen a lot of collaboration and a lot of sharing yeah Um, so yeah what have you seen that you think has been effective I think initially there was a lot of one-to-one and that was supporting people at the point of need and that might have been being a sounding board, being a listening ear, being the safe space, but it was also a bit of the one-to-one digital support, the how to do things, instructional coaching style. So the one-to-ones have been varied in that way. Recently, I've seen a bigger shift, and I think it'll be great to carry this forward into next year, into much more collaboration, getting people out of their own bubble and starting to ripple ideas and experiences outwards so virtual teach meets I've seen happening where colleges are having like an hour at a time online where teachers can join Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, Zoom, whatever it might be to just share experiences, thoughts, what are they noticing about how learners are engaging in this new world, are they engaging, which ones are, which ones aren't, why might that be, having that very professional processing conversation. So the collaborative work that I think has been helpful recently has been really getting people together to process openly and honestly and try not to be protective of our practice trying to be honest in saying no one was ever trained to deliver teaching and learning like this right no one none of us not people who are 90 not gurus nobody Um, there is no model for where we are at the moment there are various models that we might be patching together into a hybrid for next year so we don't have a great roadmap or guide we have a lot of things around our instincts around teaching and learning our pedagogy principles that we can draw on but we need to be very honest in those collaborative sharing conversations about emerging insight of what we think we're noticing so far. So those conversations linked to that, there's been a lot of good work around um, professional learning communities, virtual professional learning communities. Mm-hmm. Some colleges have set up a wellbeing community online for their college. Some have set up an innovation community. Some have set up um, a digital skills community and people just opted into a space where they want to be able to post questions, post ideas, share experiences and start talking and supporting each other. So kind of live, live online collaboration through TeachMeet I think is powerful. I think the, the virtual community where people can post things at one step remove but still discuss it, I think it are two things that I think have got legs to run into next year because this isn't going to go away by the autumn. No, it, I think. Yeah. And um, Lou and I this morning on the on the broadcast talked about a, there's a real pull of the old. Oh yeah. There's going to be back to classrooms. That narrative. Yeah. We're going back. Yeah. We're not going back, are we? No. We're going I, forward and differently. Yes. And it is. It's so interesting. But I suppose as humans, we don't. We generally don't always like change. So you know, people are, are trying to. Now it will be about holding our nerve ultimately um, as to whether we take all these great ideas that we, we started to dream up in this period yeah. and go into next year doing something very different and we're brave. It, it's that risk positive approach. It is. Or are we going to try and quickly get back to what we know because we know it and it's familiar and it's the, it's the trodden path, isn't it? But I think... Um, it's it's really important that we well there's a few things actually that I've thought about recently though just going back to those things you said the the shared spaces where people feel safe to share 
mm -hmm. and actually think and process things are, are really important and totally i always have championed you know moving away from you you don't develop teaching learning by having a meeting is basically what i've always said yes and people think i'm anti-meeting and anti-email and i am a little bit but mm -hmm. because i've always recognized the 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 importance of having space to think things through and yes. process things and speak it out loud yes people know that of me you know I quite like to think and speak yeah um, but it helps me process the world um and what i found in there is that it can be particularly important to scaffold the thinking i agree so, entirely with that you know the, some of the work that um you've done um where wherever i've been it's it's the questions isn't it it's yeah questions that you can then put in place once you've built a thinking space you you can sometimes withdraw those questions mm -hmm. um once people understand how to think uh, and i know that sounds a little bit weird and i don't like mean it in a patronizing way but no. um, it's about scaffolding the thinking it's totally that it's the skills involved in that and as you said some of that is around the questioning that the coaches or the facilitators in those sessions are having because the questions help people think about different aspects that they may not have touched on naturally and the question helps them actually reach that depth of thinking if the question's really well crafted so to me the questions are are really helpful in driving the quest the thinking forward and to more depth so I've been on my blog site, I posted a lot of questions that people can use, they can put them into meetings, they can put them into reflection tasks, they can use them in CPD or coaching, because I think the question helps the thinking to actually develop. And I think you're right at the moment, we almost need that scaffold, mm. because there's so many thoughts whirling at the moment, it's just, isn't it? almost every day as this goes on you start to notice more things you're processing but you're it's everybody's struggling i think to put the pieces together to work out where we are now and therefore what we do next and the questions are helpful for that yeah and one of the things i mentioned it this morning actually was about um having a sharing i'm trying to i say i'm trying i'm nearly there with organizing a sharing event um because i think there's been lots of sharing and lots of discussions and i'm quite keen to capture almost like the time time bound stuff so what we would have shared a month ago will be different to what we totally shared different and then it'll completely be different again. yeah so i'm i'm thinking I'm, I'm trying to work out if it's manageable to do like a monthly share type approach uh -huh. but you know i've seen there's still some work to do on collaboration and sharing because i've seen a lot of people turn up to events turn the cameras off and sit and listen uh-huh and whilst there's nothing wrong with that i think we've got to help people and nudge people to share more and yes. have confidence to share what they might think is not anything new or anything but their thinking is their thinking and everybody's thinking is valuable isn't it so absolutely agree with that yeah. i've done lots of sharing calls with zoom and i at the beginning because obviously i was stuck at home all my training had been suspended i couldn't go anywhere mm. and i was thinking what can i do that's useful for people mm. and i thought actually probably at the moment getting people together virtually 
for an hour at a time to just talk about where we are, what we're thinking, what we're noticing, what's difficult, having those prompt questions to, to kind of shape it, but then leaving it quite loose and fluid will be useful. So I've run a series of courses, it's been leadership and management group and my advanced practitioner and coaching group. And actually it's been fantastic. People have contributed from all over the country. So there's been a very interesting people from Wales, North of England, London people, South, everywhere, a really big geographical spread, different types of colleges, sixth form, general FE, land-based, everybody really and all the people in those meetings have been really open to actually starting to say this is where I am we don't know what to do about this what is what are other people saying about this in your setting that more honest open participative collaboration that you're talking about so for me one of the encouraging things emerging from this is that I feel like there is more national appetite with the people I've been working with to do more of that but I think you're right in that we need to be making sure we pull different people's views and we encourage that safe open expression that articulation and people not just attending in order to take away because there is a little bit of that sometimes happening and i kind of understand that because i do go to events sometimes thinking actually i'm here really to see what i can take yeah. from this and it is it's, it, it's more than fine because there are times you i turn up at events and it's just about absorbing things yeah that's right helping me to I'll either learn something or help me to gen generate and develop my thinking and um, but yeah there's just something that irritates me at times that uh -huh. sometimes people want to just always take uh-huh bring it bring it bring it yeah that conversation but um I think there has been a lot more willingness and an active seeking of, of collaboration yeah. and discussion which is great for the sector i've always been really passionate that the more we work together the more heads together the more diverse thinking there is the more we share resources and, and thinking it like for me that's about the greater good of education completely it's what we're here for if you if you don't believe that you should be thinking and working together and trying to improve the work you're doing. I kind of don't get why you're in this sector because this sector for me, that is the fundamental, fundamental principles mm. is we're about learn, learning while learning. You know, it's not just learning with the learners, is it? It's learning about our own practice, about what we could do differently or better. Mm. So that has been for me one of the great things. I just hope that when, as you say, we go back to whatever next year is like not normal, the new thing, mm. people don't retrench and feel like actually now we're back in operations we don't need to talk to each other we don't need to think together because mm. the feedback i've had so far sharing with people is all the levels i've spoken to of the structures if you like have said it's so reassuring it's so interesting it's so thought-provoking and helpful to talk to others yeah so i hope we can hold that so it's amongst the many things i hope we can hold that have been great from this situation unexpectedly great yeah. that is one and the second thing is around how we harness digital in different ways so at the moment i mean my, my working day might be training some people for an hour and a half in a virtual box like this mm -hmm. it can be a project planning meeting with three people in the college it can be coaching somebody one-to-one -one, all from my table yeah reaching out across the sector in loads of different ways to do lots of different kinds of work so to me this this is suddenly making things possible collaboratively so which is phenomenally fantastic it's so amazing because it's the stuff that I've kind of always championed is that breaking down the barriers and yeah. often where, you know, we all know that time's tight and, and money's tight and, and taking a day to go to a conference or go to an event, it, it's a lot of energy and then you've still got to ma manage 
yeah. you know what you what you were supposed to do and um but this actually has brought people together really quickly really effectively yeah and yeah there's still some work to do to get some people to join in the conversation mm-hmm. but there's there's definitely that removal of barriers with technology which i think is like phenomenal it's fantastic we've come up it's just been a step change i think in the last three months i mean we, we jumped an enormous step in a very short period of time mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hopeful that for for advanced practitioners and coaches as they work into next year having a range of support on offer some one-to-one which might involve collaborative planning where they're supporting teachers and actually how do we structure delivery how do we plan for learning when maybe it's partly in the classroom partly in a virtual space Unfortunately, it could be in the classroom for weeks, followed by the lockdown model, which is different from planning for blended from the beginning of the year and deciding what goes into virtual and what stays in the classroom. So I think some of that support for planning, for thinking through how you might shape and structure the learning will be really important for people. It is going to be really important. And I think um, one of the best examples I've heard at the minute, although I'm quite glad that I don't have to plan the logistics of timetabling and well that sort of thing uh-huh. is um you know people planning sort of um just using the the labels of asynchronous and synchronous uh-huh and the synchronous could could be in a classroom or it could or. be live absolutely like when i was training for your people i was talking about live learning meaning classroom live yeah. or box live yeah and getting your head around the fact that obviously it'll be differently delivered if it's in the box like this in a virtual space, but in a classroom, it'll be the skills maybe that you know already. So there's a massive complexity, isn't there, for staff? And, and, you know, there's been all sorts of talk of all sorts of weird and wonderful things, but, you know, streaming to half of the class when they're in, like, in the classroom and half of the class. I know. And that, for me, that's never going to work. I'm really concerned about that model, I have to say. What's your concern about that? Because I have heard that were mooted by almost maybe the thinking that that's the easiest way to timetable it, which I kind of think isn't the way to be coming at this. So what, what's your concern about that model in terms of the learning? Yeah, I haven't, um, haven't articulated it fully yet. So that, this is me doing that the first time. Okay. Um, I think that I've always, when, when I first heard that mentioned, I felt like I was a bit like, whoa, that, that feels weird because how can you have, you're not going to have the same experience. And actually, if you think about live streaming from a webcam, that's also not the same as this. No, no. Teaching live online. So ultimately you'd have a, you know, half of the students being able to engage with a a real person. Yeah. Person being able to go physically around a classroom. Uh discussions and all of that whereas if you're just watching that happen well it's it's not even nearly the same experience is it I completely agree I I just when I heard about that I heard about it from somebody saying oh it happens in other countries where the video conferencing capacity is entirely different in settings where they've got big spend on tech and maybe around the rooms of the classrooms they've got like virtual walls Mm -hmm. so the learners who are at home are a very big presence in the room they can see you larger they can see each other larger so actually it's much more immersive for everybody being in the same space this model of where say I'm teaching a class I have 10 learners over here I have my 10 here how can I pay attention 
in an adequate way to how this will work in terms of the energy, the engagement, the interaction into a room space versus how I might deliver myself and my content to this. I think delivering to this is actually really quite different. I've been doing loads of training recently in VirtualBox and I think we have to do a lot more thinking around how do we connect, how do we connect well here? Yeah. How do we manage pace and energy? In the dead space, this deadening thing of the screen, the barrier, the sense of this incredible block, yeah. this inability to connect with people as you can do in physical space. How can you plan activities that will work brilliantly here when they're at home and here in the room? I think that's really challenging. I'm not sure for me that's the best model. I know it's being mooted by some people. So like you, I've got lots of concerns around that one. Yeah, and I think there's that, you know, ultimately it probably is doable if you're asking a teacher to try and spin all of those plates but then in, in, and but, but benefits that, then yeah it, it's nobody benefits i don't think anyone benefits i think teachers get immensely strained about trying to be an online teacher and a live teacher simultaneously schizophrenic and for learners i'm not sure that gets the best out of either space maybe that's my I haven't really come to that till now that's maybe my main concern is how do we get best learning in both spaces because that needs to look a little bit different yeah. we'd be better to separate those things in terms of the delivery yeah. so and the, I, I, the consequence for the teacher for developing within this next year's model though it's as you were talking we can see i think that for the people who are going to support the teachers with this there is so much complexity around thinking through yeah. planning operational logistics preparing and, resources how do we engage yeah you know it's, there's an ongoing piece of work there yeah and, and like i said i don't envy haven't envied anybody who's been involved in the logistics and the timetabling and and that type of of planning yeah. um you know the, the other thing that I'd, I'd noted down before when you talked about communities and teach meets was not forgetting um some of the thinking spaces that i've done i've been with curriculum managers absolutely because um although that that those conversations have been different yeah. i've been able to then say but we need to be we need to have pedagogy first completely and yes i've been totally empathetic about the timetabling and the logistics um and try to listen where i can or help with ideas where i can yeah. um, but at the same time you know then i've been able to nudge them help them process that in a thinking space absolutely each other because all you find curriculum areas often just don't naturally talk to each other sometimes and um, so I've, I've tried to facilitate that sharing of the ideas across curriculum managers which has then helped them to move forward but also i've been able to make sure that pedagogy is kind of first and four in in their thinking um which is what which is why we've 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 then started to make sure that every well we've carried on the support but we've we've carried on that that thinking around well what does learning look like and and yeah. what what do we need to consider in these different spaces different models um and ultimately it needs to always come back to the principles of pedagogy absolutely agree but for me, not we don't need to make it we don't need to make it complicated uh-huh we just need to keep it really quite simple yes and and decide what's most important to us so uh, interesting it's so true this that the, the, there was an initial 
in the crisis, there was give me tech, give me tech large and now, and can I have 20 digital tools, please? And there was this incredible, very generous sharing by lots of tech people around the digital side. And people did need some, some tech support. They did need that at that point. But I think there was a, it was a tsunami effect of people being swept away with the way we do live online learning, the way we create self-study resources online is all about tech. And actually, I don't think it is. I think it's about principles first for learning, and then it's putting the tech tools into the right parts of that process to facilitate the learning. So it is the, the real fundamental thing of technology for learning, yes. as opposed to almost learning through tech because the techs come first. Yeah. And I can see places now starting to swing back into, oh, hold on, the learning process, we need to think about that with our teachers. So I think for the middle managers, curriculum managers, there's this real challenge around two things. There's their remote management skills. How are they able to remotely develop and support and lead their teams? Because obviously most managers haven't had that experience either. So I've been doing lots of training in colleges around that for managers recently. And it's been very interesting, the reflections on what they've learned about trying to just communicate enough not too much supportively with their teams and then them leading those conversations to reflect together on what could our curriculum offer look like because that's not going to be the same in every team is it if you think about delivering an a-level versus delivering a vocational qual that might have lots of practical you've really got to think about that differently because it's got different physical needs it's got different technology needs you know, it's got different skill development needs. And, and in this world where we might not be in the classroom all the time, there's a lot of thought going to be needed to making a creative response that's flexible mm. to those different curriculum aspects. Yeah, there's so many layers to it because, but I feel, I feel confident in, in, I've always been pedagogy first. As yes. In, you know, learning is learning, teaching and learning is teaching and learning. And that's right. Practice. Wherever you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. wherever you're doing it and you, uh -huh. and you twist and you adapt depending on the curriculum subject or the audience you know in terms of age profile or whatever whatever that is the framework is always pedagogy first ultimately That's right. for me because then it becomes about how do you engage learning exactly learning and how do you you know the the some of the things that people have talked about is um, and, and conversations I've had, especially I ha I've had a conversation around maths, you know, it's, you can't just deliver to, you can't just bundle three groups of students together because you're going to deliver online. And, it, and, and because that oh. would allow us to deliver to more, because actually what's really important is still the application of learning. Yeah. And you can't do that as effectively if you've got 60 wow. online compared to 20, say. Like a webinar format where really it's completely, you're very disengaged normally. It's incredibly passive. It's just receiving. It's having the channel on receive only, not participate. That's really troubling. I hadn't even heard that one coming out as an idea. Yeah, I think that's it's, worrying. I think Yeah, I think it's, it's cropped up in just a couple of different places not even people deciding to definitely do it it's just the thought of i know but the thoughts concerning we could we think about it that way but actually and i thought you know if you put pedagogy first you realize that then that that will affect learning quite significantly it totally so, will do yeah so oh, wow 
so it has to be pedagogy first it has to be about engagement for me and it has to be you know um there is a lot there in helping students to feel confident in that space as well completely you know and that's huge yeah there's a lot around expectations Uh uh-huh a lot around um yeah setting the setting the the ground rules if you like or i call it the rules of engagement totally the ways of working together in this new space are are quite different actually from the classroom it is still class management but it's class management in the box how do we do it in the box yeah that needs loads of thought i think lots of thought and but also again about creating that sense of community and safe space so it's not about barking at learners the expectations of, of of what you expect of them online it's it's definitely about how you expect them to engage and how you will support them to engage and how you keep your rapport and build as people have said to me one of the challenges lots of people in the teach meets have mentioned is that they're going to be dealing with new learners for september who they haven't already got rapport and relationship with in live space they're doing virtual induction enrollment you know initial assessment all virtually Mm. how do they start to create a human connection right when they might be doing chunks of the learning online or even starting the program online yeah. so you're absolutely right we, we can't neglect we can't say the text solves it and in some place i kind of feel there's a little bit of a well we're great on microsoft teams and i'm like yeah but how are the learners who's engaging Have, are they participating well in sessions are you managing to bring prior learning into that process you know can we can we get that discussion work working in a really rich thoughtful way to extend the thinking or are people cameras off not participating doing god knows what at home it's 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 not as simple as maybe some people would suggest by just talking about the tech yeah no i i totally agree and i think this is where one of the things i've been thinking about is having um almost like a blended learning framework Uh And like I said, I think colleges would be wise to have that to kind of give their staff a framework that ha- which is pedagogy focused. Good. Yes. And would then allow people to hinge their planning on that. Absolutely. Um, and that's where this now also does need to consider how you build community, the sense of community. So okay. I, I have mentioned this for quite a while actually and and there's been part of my thinking almost from the beginning as we started to well once we once we got off the ground with dealing with with everything that crisis learning as um Stephen Hope um you know called it and and I I liked that term because it was we just it was just everything happened very quickly we had to we had to figure it out it was just knee-jerk response which was necessary at the time it was and and we came out of that and then when we started to think about oh okay this is not going away we're going to have to think Uh differently good for me induction and the way that we lead online learning has to be about community and sense of community but if it isn't retention is going to be an issue Yes, we're going to get that stepping back, that detachment, that not feeling as if they're even really part of it with us. Yeah, and I think for me, this is where induction activities, and I know some colleges are doing, you know, um, a lot of work now to meet virtually the students that will be in, to give them some interesting things to read or look at or do ready for September. 
and it's all of that you know people call it keep warm stuff uh-huh. um, it it has to we have to be conscious about how we build community and for me in that pedagogy framework although I haven't created one um, a visual as such and put it down on a piece of paper it has to be about collaboration completely so it can't be people students that on the other side of the computer always on their own yes you have to try and I say replicate but I don't mean do the same thing no I it's mean, more like recreate recreate yeah. in a different way isn't it yeah, yeah. recreate that what is collaboration uh-huh. for students in in this in this way of working um, and this is where tech the tech has to so the stuff that we did in development week and uh, me and my team uh, it it's been very much pedagogy first and then what are the tools that you can help you to do that perfect that's so principled that's the, i think that's the way we have to go yeah. we have to go that way but what you're saying about the community and the bringing the new learners into the picture some of the, the teachers i've spoken to on teach meets have said actually now what we're doing is we're creating like a little loom video recording of our you can see us we're talking about ourselves who we are what we do what we like about the program about what we hope for the learners and they're sending that to the students mm-hmm. they're then having introductory kind of get to know you sessions in a virtual space and that might be a zoom or a microsoft teams or whatever the platform is that you're choosing there's pre-recorded content set out there's some kind of like treasure hunt activities finding things on the on the internet so getting students logged in really early to the systems so they can find information frequently asked questions sessions where people can kind of go actually i don't know how that's going to work and how does this work and getting learners from last year involved in attending some of these so there's that kind of connection of this is what it's like to be a learner in our setting all of this around trying to build the relationships and the connection and the community that we're working on this together not you're at home on your own with your gadget and your materials and notes and actually it's an isolated distance learning experience because i don't think that's what we want to foster as a feeling no, I agree. And then if we bring it all the way back to what we were, we, we were thinking about in the beginning, which is about professional development, very quickly you see how the skills that we need to support our teachers to develop are very different. Absolutely. And, and just have a different priority. Um, yeah. Because there is all the tech, the digital upskilling that needs to continue and needs to underpin you know because absolutely that's not any anything other than helping staff to feel more confident to absolutely teaching and learning online completely in a blended model um but there's also then that increased emphasis on community relationships Uh collaborative learning what does engagement look like my god what does engagement look like i was thinking about right so the whole issue about cameras on and off and what does that mean and the debate that seems to be really raging on twitter at the moment about do we need to define when the camera is on and off in a live session mm. what's what does it mean when somebody has their camera on and off and what's the consequence for engagement and participation and learning and the feeling that you get in the session mm. and i that kind of conversation we teachers i think part of development is are starting to go what's the difference in teaching and learning this way what are we noticing and experiencing can we think that out together? So this ongoing reflection, professional processing, 
and then acquiring skills that we might need because we might need more for checking learning in which case some quizzing would be great people are talking about nearpod and kahoot and quizzes as really useful tools but we don't need 20 of those we maybe need two or three really good tools for checking learning that we use regularly that learners get to know yeah. So we're not saturating students with learning new things all the time for being challenged with different gadgets. Do this on your phone with a QR code. Do this now. Click off, click out of the box and do this on a link on your own. Oh my God, the fatigue, the fatigue. Try not to overload with the digital, I think is one of the strands going forward. So keeping that professional principles as the first point of, yeah. of thinking and then putting the practice on top. Yeah. I think it's all about that that you said the principles first and the pedagogy and then aligning selectively the tech to that. Yeah, and that and you reminded me of something actually. Well, one is that Tracy Lee, who is um she's part of the Joy FE group, she's doing um she's been doing some research on online a questionnaire type thing that she's been getting people to answer about cameras on or off. I filled um, that in. I thought that was so interesting. It's fascinating, actually. Yeah, it's fascinating. And the, and the conversations and the debates around that are really interesting. Uh, and again, you know, generally, it's not one size fits all. It's, it's complex. But yeah. um, so she's doing some great work there. Um, but the other one is around, you know, that in building a sense of community, um, that I always think about it in two ways. One is student sense of community, and then the staff sense of community and, and yes. sharing. So, for this, from the staff point of view, the one thing that I would encourage all departments to do, all curriculum areas, is have. It doesn't have to be college-wide agreed approach in some in some situations. What I mean is in curriculum areas, and even sub teams like subjects. Uh huh going to be worth having the conversations as a team to say how are we going to set up so there's consistency for our students yeah because we don't if 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 my colleague is doing something really different with lots of different tech and then i do something oh god yeah exhausting it's structured online or yeah. the tools that we use as you say it's that fatigue and saturation is gonna be hard for students to navigate it's a turn off. I mean, it's a definite turn off for people. I mean, already some teachers on the teach meet said to me that they're struggling with the live learning, that there are groups of students who have just stood back from that. They're not feeling comfortable with cameras. They're finding it too intense. They're finding the sessions too long to concentrate. That whole synchronous element is problematic in some cohorts. And so getting teachers together to kind of look at what would that, how can we do that for maximum impact that's positive? How can we use the asynchronous activity that learners are doing in their own time to maximize learning, but build our own skills maybe in designing those resources? Because an underpinning thing here is, we're not we're not teachers who have learnt in our professional practice originally to be designers of online programs right so there's a whole second set of issues around how do we write resources that are actually effective for online learning so some of the teachers i know who are more ahead on this have said oh it's quite challenging setting the asynchronous task in a way that learners can understand so the instructions that you write have got to be pitched so that everyone in the group can understand and the task isn't so complex that it needs the scaffolding of a teacher because you won't be present right so there's a whole set of development and working together to align the ways we do this so our learners can be coherent in the program with us so i think those ongoing conversations at curriculum level almost we need to schedule in across the year lots of different opportunities to be talking 
to be designing, to be sharing, to be troubleshooting, because this whole next year yeah. is going to be a massive learning journey, isn't it? It's not, it's not going to be over. It's just not going to be over and back to normal. No, there, is, there isn't that. And I think we've got used to navigating uncertainty. It doesn't mean it's any easier. And I don't think as we go into next year, it will, it will get any easier. But hopefully at some point, it will, we will continue to figure out what works. That's right. And what's helping us. That and keep thinking in that way. And I, I would say one of the things that's had the biggest impact um, with what I've been doing is constantly communicating what seems to be working rather absolutely. than what's not working. Yes, the what's emerging great. insight, absolutely. The emerging insight of what people are finding helpful. So, for example, on the Teach Meets, people have said to me things like one-to-one -one contact has proved really powerful. That very personalised keeping the relationship with the learner using whatsapp messaging a skype call a chat on the phone even messaging privately in the chat box has proved really powerful so starting to notice those tools and techniques and share them together is part of that professional development and then having a program where maybe the cpd is really bite-sized it's short bits of useful insightful this is how to use a quiz for checking learning this is how to use a tool for capturing collaborative thinking mindmeister people have spoken to me about as a really good mind mapping tool for example almost short podcasting short sessions with staff so that there's there's the ability to learn in a non-overwhelming way things that people actually need and but within that as you said having all those collaborative how do we form the community how do we deliver the curriculum in our area conversations happening dripping across the year so I think there's a lot to do for development teams. There's a massive development need and it's going to keep going. Yeah. And this is kind of like, I get dead excited talking about this sort of stuff. I know. Kind it's of quite all, creative. Yeah, it's like the stuff that I've always known. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I've just always known that these, I've had sort of that natural intuition that having thinking spaces, working yeah. together and um, sharing things and thinking differently. Um, are the most powerful ways of helping people to develop what they do. Uh -huh. I think that's where going into this next year from a professional development agenda, and for anyone who's leading on professional development or helping people to develop professionally, the agenda is almost already, it, it, it's there. Like there isn't, you don't have to really convince anybody that there needs to be professional development because anyone who resists it at this point is maybe a bit bonkers but it's mind-blowing because it's yeah. just there the need is so explicitly that if you yes. talk to your teachers if you're actually talking to the teachers about what they're experiencing yeah. the different needs are very very obvious yeah. i mean just on the digital skills yeah. i'm meeting people who have done no online live teaching right yeah. because because of the cohorts that they've had they haven't needed to deliver online learning because other things have gone on around assessment grades etc yeah. those people are attending the teach meets with me saying oh i'm just here because i'm just wondering how this actually works wow, there's a lot to be done for those staff to support them to even begin yeah. with professional competence and, and a feeling of confidence to begin this year. Mm -hmm. Then there are people who actually have been on Microsoft Teams for months and months and months who are already confident and are now looking at the next level of leveraging yeah. how do we get really great stretch and challenge out of those platforms? Yeah. How do we track and check learning effectively when we've got lots of now information sitting in different places how do we get that overview together of what's happening with our students? 
So to me, there's a, there's a complexity and a need around development. It's actually the biggest development need that maybe I've seen in 10 years. Yes. And I think that's where, you know, it's kind of, it can feel overwhelming and can feel mind-blowing for, for everyone. Um, but one of the things I would recommend is having, you know, just just narrow it down. Yeah, streamline. You know, yes, narrow it down and figure out what are the key things that need to happen and what on each term, like make a plan for make the yearly plan that's not yes. too big. Chunk it down. And then and then have the termly plan within that bigger plan. Yes. Um, and then for for people who are leading on teaching learning in colleges. Um, and quality even or quality improvement it's about how you then how you're going to set that out in a way that doesn't feel too overwhelming but then it's going to have to be contextualized for your college yes. so some colleges who are haven't you know um, or are still grappling with some of the tech and the infrastructure are going to be at a place where the building blocks, the foundations and the building blocks still needing to be put in place. Absolutely. And then there's going to be other colleges where, you know, tech has been a, a, a massive agenda anyway. Yes. And, and the upskilling has happened very quickly and accelerated in this period. Yeah. Um, but then it, there's still going to need to be a sort of streamlined plan as we navigate, as we Completely. navigate the uncertainty. But for me, if we were going to, you know pick some things that were most important it is it's the it's not just having meetings that drive sort of yeah there's always got to be a flow of communication but let, let's look at how we could do that differently and then use that time to discuss yeah. share critically think mm -hmm. help each other on it whether it be a team yeah. basis or whether it be a college-wide um thing it has to be about thinking processing sharing yeah absolutely breaking down the barriers to the things that people are finding quite difficult and that needs to be really agile because i think what people are going to need to talk about is going to change as you said i'm doing sharing calls every month it's an entirely different topic because we're moving through this yeah. and it, it's evolving fast and i think into next year it will evolve through talking about induction talking about onboarding students onto programs yeah. it'll then start to be about actually how do we build rapport community connection then it'll be starting to be looking at how are the learners engaging and staying with us as we move through the term how are we doing retrieval practice, right? As we start to build blocks and units, how are we chunking it into work on skills, work on knowledge, in the classroom, out of the classroom, online, what's gonna sit best? It's gonna be a series of conversations where people are gonna need that support and that thinking space, agilely responding to the need at that moment. Yeah, and, and that responsiveness and, and adaptability is, is going to be key. It's taking that information from students. It's taking yeah. that information from teachers. Yeah. It's getting that information from other stakeholders to then look at, well, what is happening? How can we, how can we adapt? How can we flex? How can we evolve? That, the yeah. need for that is going to be, is going to be um, a priority um, for sure. And then on top of that, um, but we won't talk about it, is T-levels. Yeah. And, and, and the launch of a whole new, whole new thing, which yeah. is super exciting, but at the same time is going to need some real 
lead and thinking to make sure that staff feel supported again it's it always comes back to that for me you know i i believe that everybody wants to do a good job i think they definitely do i don't think there's any so do yeah i don't think there's anybody who actively is trying to do a bad job I think it's always about helping people to be supported to be the best that they can be and help yeah. them navigate some of their fears or challenges and exactly because as we know education is not easy it's not easy and, and if you think about a level of challenge recently the level of chaos the level of disruption people have just risen to that in so, in so many places like you can just hear from them talking saying oh i didn't know how to do that i've learned how to do that and i've been on the internet and i've been watching tutorials on this and now i realize what i want to learn in the summer is this part people have really in my experience the ones i've spoken to have grabbed this and they are grappling because they genuinely want to deliver good learning for the students so i think the more we can support that ethos and enable them to learn more quickly we will accelerate their learning if we've got these high quality thinking spaces that are focused on things that are really topical for people at those points and we need that as you said to be individual but also in small groups in curriculum teams and organizational so we need that space built into scheduling to make sure that people can operate in those spaces as those issues emerge and that ultimately comes down to how we lead a culture yeah teaching and learning and you know that's kind of like my fascination is around culture and culture development creation and culture change you know ultimately all of those things contribute to the culture that you that you are developing or that you're um leading so yeah it's 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 flipping it then and going okay what is the culture that we want to create That's because right. what are the outcomes we want people to feel safe we want people to feel supported we want people to feel like they can take risks and experiment but you know in a in, a, in an informed way yeah and how do we create that environment for people to flourish that you know that sort of those words and that sort of language for me are really important around what we do and leadership of, of culture so, so yeah true. and that's partly the, the thinking around trying to put the people at the center of it and realize that although we've started and we've been focused on operations mm -hmm. and just trying to make something happen through digital mm -hmm. in some way which has been very operational the next phase of it is the people at the center which is how are the staff able to develop to deliver the best they can in the next year and how can we enable the learners to participate fully to get the best learning so as you've said it's cultural questions and how we work with people i think that will be at the center of it so ongoing small feedback loops will be so fundamental to starting to hear how are staff responding how are students responding what do we need to adjust next what are we learning now that we need to action in our next phase of things? So constant feedback through different channels, I think will be part of putting the people at the center and then responding and evolving as we grow through this. Totally. And I think that's a really great place to end. Fantastic. Yeah. If people need support and development, they can contact me on my blog site. There's a lot of resources there. Yeah. So if you go, it's WordPress site and it's Joanne Miles Consulting. So there's lots of things there. You can also contact me through email there if you need to, to get some support for your institution. Great. Thanks for that, Steph. That's been no, great. Thank you so much, Joanne. It's been so good to have you on. Fantastic. Thank you. Lovely. That's been good. Yeah, speak to you soon. Okay, cheers then. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Leave us a voice message in Anchor. Tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show. Tune in next week for more. Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.